Joker Claus Corner. Today's guest is a Grammy award-winning bassist, president of record label EMP, author, founder of Elveson Films, and even has his own coffee brand, Elveson Coffee Company. His current band is The Lucid, and you can see his most recent film, Dwellers, in Prime Video. So without further ado, please welcome the great David Elveson to the Claus Corner. David, you've done it all. I well, just when you think you've done it all, something else comes up. <laughs> oh, exactly. This is <laughs> Don't ever say start. you've done it all, because that means it's over. So, uh, you know, I'm just a work in progress, you know. Well, that's a perfect thing to say, because as busy as you are, you always have something going on. You always find something new to do. And once again, thank you very much for being on the show. So I want to start with The Lucid. That's your new band. Who's in the band and how did it all come together? So uh, Drew Fortier, uh, he and I have had a little bit of a kind of a fun journey of our creative partnership between writing a book together. He uh, Dwellers was kind of his mastermind, if you will, to write, direct and star in that. And he asked me to do a little cameo appearance in it and uh, help produce the film, which I did. And that started Ellison Films. So that's kind of the backstory with with Drew and I. Um, and um he set me so it's 2020 you know everything shut down the world's you know everyone's at home in their corner <laughs> in a timeout <laughs> due to covid yeah. and uh so drew sent over he said he sent me a song he said you want to play bass on something I said sure and so he sent it over to me and and the song was super cool um and mike heller on drums and mike plays in raven and fear factory and he's the producer of the Lucid Record and uh, terrific drummer, terrific producer, uh, great engineer, just kind of has that whole package there. Um, and so the song became, it's it, the song that became Hair, um, which is off the, the new Lucid Record. Um, and so we had these, these, you know, that song, and then they, you know, Drew sent over a few more to me. Um, and uh and so i just got busy playing you know it's just my my chops were up i just doing a lot of recording and writing during that during that year so um he just kept sending them over it was fun um and then he sent uh the tracks over to ben dabrowski from sponge and um i didn't know that he sent them to him and then he said no nah, never mind you know and then ben was kind of like well wait a minute now you got my interest like what is this you know do the old takeaway right Hey, you want it? No, you can't have it, you know? <laughs> so, um, so Ben is, he's a hoot, man. He's a funny guy. He's very rock and roll. He's super witty and clever. And uh, so he wrote lyrics and sang on the record. And, and you know, it's just one of these quirky moments in life. Um, you know, there's so many things you do in life where you set out this intention and you've kind of got these grand plans and you hope it goes a certain way. And, and some of them do, many of them don't, as we know, um, could be a rock band starting a bakery. I don't know, hedge fund, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever's the current thing to do now. Right. Um, and you know, this was one of these moments that was just very non-intentional, unassuming was just kind of, you know, um, Hey, you want to play in this? Hey, you want to sing on this? I don't know. You want to try this? And and it just you know cultivated this this really cool record. And um, yeah. in fact, we we recorded it, and it and it was sitting in the just kind of sitting in the coffers, you know. And we were like, well, I don't know. Let's think about like October twenty twenty one. Maybe that looks like kind of a good month to put it out. And 
And Drew and I were like, well, maybe we should put out the Dwellers record or, or the Dwellers movie around that same time because Halloween is a good time to put out, you know, horror movies, which that is. It's a, a found footage uh, horror movie. And um, so it all kind of lined up for October. And, and you know, it was just kind of this unassuming record with the Lucid. You know, we didn't have any real big grand plans or expectations. We thought, well, I don't know, we'll just put it out and, we'll, you know, it'll probably just go unnoticed and, It'll go away and that'll be that. Well, it turns out it's, you know, been a very recognized record and people really like the sound of it. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just got something about it. It's got a thing, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, we've just kept at it now. We've shot some videos and wrote some more new songs. And, you know, it seems like every time we get together to do stuff, it, it takes these quantum leaps forward um, from where it started, which is beautiful. That means there's, you know, uh, there's a bit of a, a future for this thing, you know, so whatever and wherever it may go. So that's, that's the long version of the uh, short question. So basically it was just, you guys were going to get together, jam, maybe record some songs. And now you're looking at the long picture saying, yeah, maybe we'll stay together for a while. We'll have more releases. We'll go on tour. Well, kind of. There was no getting together because it was COVID and there was no jamming. Yeah. Uh, so take that part out. And yeah, the rest of it is right. <laughs> well, I, I, meant, I meant now, though, because in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, we didn't. We just, again, it's kind of one of these things you just don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, look, in a different day and time when we would all get together in studios. And I mean, I, I've flown around the world to go get in the studio with guys. Cause I like being in the room, man. I just, I just do. I, I, I think there's a part of the musical conversation that happens. It happens in the room, just like you and me, you know, you could have emailed me these questions. You'd get one interview, you hop on zoom, you get, you know, I'd like to think probably a better interview. Like if you and me are sitting in the room, you know, fully reading 3d body language, if you will, you know what I mean? There's just, there's, there's a back and forth that happens, you know, in, in, in conversation and, and, you know, music playing together with people, it's, it's the same thing. It's this conversation and you kind of like, you know, when you see the drummer kind of ramping up or getting ready for a fill, suddenly, you know, everybody jumps in on it, you know, or things pull back, you feel the, the dynamic shift in the room. It's like, okay, this is probably a verse. Let's pull back a little bit to let the singer, you know, lay, let, let him tell his story through the verse, you know, so there's those kind of things that happen when you're, when you're in the room. Um, and it's a little, uh, say two dimensional, maybe, um, when you're having to just send files back and forth and you're just sort of doing it, you know, in that method, which was how a lot of records have been made in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Even before COVID, I've heard band members who I've interviewed say that they haven't been in the same studio with their band since 1994. So I know that some members prefer that, but I'm, I would be like you. I've been in bands years and years ago, and I always like the chemistry of actually being together with the, I think it sparks the creativity and it makes you want to play harder and makes you be I better. I, I agree. I, 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 you know, again, it's kind of like, I think one of the perks now, you know, it's like companies are looking for employees who are willing to stay home and work over zoom. You know, to me, that's just, that is the beginning of the end of just segregating civilization, you know, as, exactly. as, as, as humans, we want, we want to be together. You know, we just, we, we crave that, you know, we're, we're like this herd mentality. We just, we want to have, you know, this, this intimacy and, and we want to, you know, it's just part of our nature, you know, it's no man is an island unto himself. There's a reason they say that, you know, so 
um, you know, music, especially because it really is this other language. And it's so it's such a, you know, it, it's it's it's, you know, I hate to use the word spiritual, but it, it's this thing that comes from another dimension. You know, it sort of channels through to you. And I love uh, I was just in L.A., you know, writing a couple of records last week. And, um, you know, there's just the things that happen when you when you come up with a riff and, you know, a couple of other guys in the room and go, oh, man, dude, that's rad. Yeah, that's, you know, and then they get excited and they add and they go, man, from here, we should go there and we should do this and turn that corner. And, you know, next thing you know, and you've, you know, you've got a, a composition in, in, in motion, you know, so I've always liked that, uh, that, that thing about just being in the room together. To me, it's, it's, it's the preferred way to work for me. You mentioned all the different band members. I mean, you go from Raven, Fear Factory, Bang Tango, Zen from Mars, Sponge. So all these bands together, all these different influences in one band. How would you describe the music of Lucid? Well, I don't know. I guess that's probably up to the listener <laughs> to decide what they, you know, I, I hate to ever put anything in a genre. You know what I mean? It's It's just... It's uh, it, it it's just music. Uh, you know, is it hard? Is it heavy? Yeah. Is it light, melodic? Yeah. Is it uh, singable? Yeah. Is it funny at times? Yeah. Um, is it uh, is it like whoa? I didn't see that coming. Yeah. It's some of that. Um, and you know, I think probably one of the greatest responses that I saw was that in a way it harkened back to you know probably some of the glory days of of you know, some of the big iconic work that, uh, you know, that I was involved in back in the nineties, you know, and, and, you know, without putting a title, well, post alternative or pre grunge, you know, it didn't have any of these sort of adjectives to it. It was just, it kind of reminded people of like, gosh, man, remember when people wrote songs like that, <laughs> you know, and it, when it, you know, you could, you could have a big hook and, a, and, you know, the riff itself was, was a, a hook. Um, I love that when, when the, the music is a hook, you know, and then you add a singer, it's like, oh my gosh, this is even cooler, you know? And, um, you know, I think what's fun working with new people is, you know, you sort of throw these new, you know, uh, ingredients into the bowl and you mix it up to see what you get, you know, and especially, um, working with, um, a new singer because, you know, let's face it, during most of the song was the singer singing. That's kind of what people key into. And of course, Ben is a, you know, a rock star. He's a superstar. And in his own world, he's he's somebody that everybody likes. You know, you you bring his name up. He's just, it's universal. Like, oh, Sponge is so cool. And man, that guy's what a great singer. You know, it, it's just a universal response to him. And what I found cool was to um, hear the the lyrics that he was writing because, you know, like maggot wind, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, drive around Jonestown, you know, and, and uh, I mean, it's like, what the hell, where did this come from? Like, who would even <laughs> think of this? And then uh, just so out of my radar, you know, and I think for all of us, it's just, you know, it's not a metal lyric. It's not a tough guy lyric. It's just it's just super cool it's it's like a hunter s thompson book you know <laughs> it's kind of how i could probably best describe his words i love it because you brought up a great point instead of being boxed into one type of music one genre and metal is always known as being rebellious and being so open-minded but the minute you try something new they give you hell for it i mean it seems like people are becoming more and more open-minded now but i've seen I've been part of the metal crew, metal crowd for a long time. And 
whenever mm-hmm. I bring up something that's not metal, oh my God, why would you listen to that? And I notice a lot of people like that. So I love the fact that you're saying it's not metal. It's not grunge. It's just good music with good hooks. Yeah, good music is good music. You know, it's, um, you know, it's funny. The other night I was watching the Adele concert. Uh, they're talking about not being metal. And, and you know, phenomenal. Like, I wouldn't buy her record, admittedly. You know, I wouldn't listen to it. I hear it, you know, um, of course. But, you know, I had great respect for her when we won our Grammy 2017 Um George Michael had just passed away. And so they did a uh, honorarium to him and somebody did an arrangement. It was, in my opinion, it was a terrible arrangement of a, of a classic, great George Michael song. And they had Adele sing it. And you could tell when it started, she couldn't find the pitch, right? And it was live on TV, you know, and, 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 and right in the middle of it, she's starting it and she goes, she goes, you know, what? fucking stop this. I can't fucking, I got to start over, you know? And she's like cussing on live TV. Immediately, cred for her went way up, right? Because, like, yeah. first of all, cussing on live TV is a no-no. And to stop a song, you know, to stop singing, just say, hey, I don't got this. Like, we need to take this from the top again, you know? And um, I thought that was cool, you know? Um, so it's, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes, you know, to see the unguarded moments of an artist is to me, maybe because I'm obviously in the, in the business and I create myself, it, it, I love seeing those unguarded moments because, you know, we're paid to, you know, put on our game face and really give the performance of a lifetime and entertain the people. And, and when it doesn't go that way, which, you know, it does from time to time, um, you know, it's, it, those are kind of the funny moments to see how people respond and how they just cope with it, you know? And I mean, number one thing in show is never stop, you know, just never stop. Just keep going. Even if the freaking PA and the sky falls, just keep going. And the fact that she didn't and dropped an F-bomb, I was like, you know what? She's pretty cool. I, 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 I like her. I like her more now. You know who I, who I gained respect for after seeing her with a metal band was Lady Gaga when she performed with Metallica and James Hetfield's mic went off and she took over. I said, boy, yeah. she actually sounds better than James Hetfield. I want to hear her sing the rest of the song. She's stage diving. She's having a good time. You could tell she just enjoyed the music. She was a great performer and she's a great singer. So, yeah, I agree. I, I am yeah. very eclectic taste and that's why I love your band because you have so many eclectic tastes and influences in one band and the music is great. And you mentioned some of the songs. I love them. I listened to the album several times and I'm a huge fan. I cannot wait to see you on tour, which let's talk about now. Are you going to be going on tour now that COVID is starting to lighten up a little bit and the restrictions? Yeah. It, you know, most of 2022 is just reschedules of 2021 and 2020. Yeah. So there's uh you know, that's what most of this this year is going to be. But we, um, you know, they book things so far out now. You know, I mean, it used to be within 60, 90 days, you could grab some dates and go out and do something. But now, I mean, the booking's you know, nine months out. I mean, I, we've got some stuff coming up here in May. And I, I think literally it was booked six, seven, eight months out. You know, we grabbed these dates. Uh, and there's already probably holds on these venues at that time. Because it's very competitive. Everybody's trying to find some little window where they can, you know, get out and work. So um, we've had these dates on hold now for quite a while. So we've got um, six, seven shows coming up um, over a couple week period, uh, the last half of May. And um, so that'll be us just firing this thing off and, you know, taking it out, uh, you know, to the people and playing and, um 
you know, and uh, it, look, it's either going to be really great or it's going to be really shitty. I don't know what it's going to be because we'll find out when we get there. Right. <laughs> and, you know, that's part of the other thing is, um, you know, we, we've had so much fun making this music. We have fun when we get together, we laugh, we have a great time. And, um, you know, it's, we're all pros, you know, we've been doing this a long time, but you know, there's also this, again, there's kind of this next level thing where, um, you know, you, you know, you get in a room together and you really start to feel it. Cause now that the intention's different, you're not recording, you're not writing. Now you're, now you're taking it out. And, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, you don't stop, you keep going, you know? So, exactly. um, yeah. You know, so, um, and you just kind of keep, it's not a rehearsal. It's the real deal, you know? So, uh, that's kind of finding that part of it. So, um, it's, it's been a fun band as we've, you know, set this thing up, um, to kind of build to this crescendo, you know? And I think ultimately for guys like us in rock bands, it's like the ultimate thing is to get on the stage and play, you know, that's, that's kind of why you do everything is, you know, making records is just, a, you know, a means to an end. And that end is taking it out to the people and, and getting that reaction. And, and, you know, you kind of, then that's even a little bit of a learning process. That's why I'm glad we've got a, you know, a handful of dates because you sort of, I find, you know, the first show is one thing, the second show is a second. And then by the third show, you kind of start to feel your way around. Um, You fall into a groove and, you know, then, then, you know, uh, from there, you, you know, the thing starts to develop and and take on its own life as a, as a live act. Exactly. Now, are you going to be playing bigger theaters or clubs? Strictly clubs. Yeah. Just small clubs. And, uh, which, you know, again, there's, there's no expectation that it should be other, anything other than that. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, every, everything starts at the beginning, you know, and, um, that's, that's, and, you know, there's sometimes there's a comfort in that too. It's like, you could actually look at each other and see each other, and, you know, it's, and it, it you know, it, it's, it should be that, you know, it's, it's, it's it like start it small and, 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 and build it up from there. And feel more connected with the audience because you're so close you're right on top of each other and with and with each other you know what i mean it's kind of like <laughs> it's true it's like you don't want to be standing too far away from your buddies it's like you know that's the thing is you kind of count on each other while you're up there and that's that's half the fun of this thing no social distancing on this tour <laughs> no no definitely yeah definitely not now is there ever a conflict with the schedule with everybody's schedule trying to get together with their bands everything you're doing oh constantly Imagine, i mean that's, yeah. that's one of the that's one of the hardest things is you know, because, you know, sponge works a lot, Vin, Vin works a lot, you know, and, um, Michael had these big chunks where hey, I'm going to Europe for a month with Raven and then I'm doing a U S tour, U S tour for a month with fear factory. So, you know, that's why we had to kind of find this window and say, all right, everybody pause, just please lock this out. No matter what happens, you know, no, no sisters are getting married, nothing, you know, <laughs> I mean, like we really need these two weeks to just lock this in. So, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, no, there, there is that. And that's, you know, it's not like your first band when it's like, you know, you got nothing else to do, you know, except maybe quit your day job. So now making music is our day job. So now it's just always kind of finding these, these, uh, little pockets that we can go out and do stuff. Well, I mentioned that you do so many different things. I want to talk about elves and films. When and how did that form? You mentioned a little bit with Drew. Right. That's exactly how it, how it formed. It's just from that, you know, and, you know, it's nice because we've, um, you know, I, I, I had some distribution, I had distribution through the record label. Um, the distributors had had pipelines into uh, 
both physical and digital. So that's that's what allowed that to happen. And you know, it's interesting because I was appearing at some at some horror conventions, um, Mad Monster in particular. Drew and I were uh, appearing at one back uh, early last year, and you know, people were going, "Wow, you got a film company? Hey, man, I got a little independent film, and I can really use some distribution." You know, because that's very common. I mean, you know, not everything is Miramax and a Spielberg production. You know, where they can go out and get this this big money, and and so it's been interesting to learn. You know, the film business is like the record business, just like Lucid. Hey, you want to play on this? <laughs> you know, and then we'll see where it goes. And you know, same thing in the film business. Someone has an idea. They, um, they, you know, rally the the talent, the, you know, the technical side to film it, put it together. And I, and that was kind of the beautiful thing with dwellers is it's really just kind of one camera found footage, uh, super, super, you know, not even low dough, no dough, you know, uh, <laughs> like super low dough. And, and, and again, it all comes down to, is the story any good? Um, is the acting any good? And it, and it turns out it is, you know, and, and, um, you know, so cool. We submitted into a bunch of these film festivals and we've gotten like, gosh, I think we just got like our 18th award or 19th award or something. Congratulations. And, and it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, that's in it, you know, especially for me with a, you know, for Drew, kind of his first big production, uh, with this and Ellison films, of course. So it's, it's, um, you know, it, it's no different than, than making a record and, doing this you know it's like you 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 deal with the creative and then once that's done then you deal with the uh you know the release of it and uh, and and that and it's nice when things have a continued timeline and um you know i give drew a lot of credit he's got really good instincts on this stuff he's he's uh very relaxed he's calm he's not some big yelling hollering ball busting you know freaking self-promoter kind of guy he's really chill he's very mellow and he's just he's very and he's just he's got great instincts on this stuff and so a lot of this i let him we both of the lucid in with dwellers i just kind of you know i i let him kind of lead the charge with it which is which is cool so my nature is to get a bit more excited about things and drew's just like yeah i think we're, I think we're doing okay here you know and then he'll hit me and say hey guess what we just won another <laughs> film festival award and you know and um you know, and, and, um, so, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. That's the temple of all this stuff over here on this side. I can say I watched it and I loved it. The best way to put it for me would be if Blair Witch Project had a baby with Chud, which is cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers for my viewers that yes. maybe not, do not know that. Yeah. Such a great movie. Um, tell my viewers a little bit, give them a little synopsis of what the movie's about. That's, uh, that's very much that. In fact, Drew, openly admits that's kind of what it is um so it's you know Blair Witch of course was sort of probably the I'd say probably the first noted found footage um you know and Drew and I always joke about some found footage films it's like you know shot on Panavision it's like what the hell you know it's like is that really found footage or are we just calling it found footage you know so uh but this is truly found footage I mean literally it's it's Drew and company with a camera you know and um so uh so it's real simple you know just one shot pov you know um that's all it is but yeah the storyline so the story is is that there's uh um in in a small town in ohio there's uh, a homeless uh, contingency and they start going underground because it's cold so they go underground during the winter and they start to live underground but they start going missing so uh, a documentary team headed by drew 
his character. They uh, they put together a documentary team to do a documentary about the missing homeless people, and then they themselves go missing while making the documentary. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Well, I have to say, um, the acting to me was very natural. Drew was hilarious. Actually, all three of them were hilarious. And I don't know how much of it was improv or how much of it was scripted. Uh, a little of both. Um, you know, Drew's really, you know, kind of act one, act two, act three. You know, he's he had it set up uh, like that and, you know, with a reveal at the end. Um, and But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Drew's got a very natural sort of self-deprecating humor, which... He's very charming and likable. You know, he's very disarming. You warm up to him real quick in the in the uh, in the film, and of course, he's got you know those who oppose him uh, in the film as well. And um, yeah, no, you I, one I, of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm 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 for once I'm the bad guy. You know, I play the bad guy in the film. Um, I'm like uh, what Austin or not Austin Powers uh, was Mike Myers Wayne's World, right? Uh, yeah. You know the the arcade guy or something, right? <laughs> so, um, and yeah, so that's you know I guess just just watch the film. Now it's you know it's it's funny. It's on it's on like you say uh, Prime. It's on the streaming services now, so not on Netflix yet. But um, you know, there's more and more of these streaming services and, and that are that are picking it up, which is super cool for us. You know, and it's Good. you know you submit them and you hope they'll uh, you know pay attention to you, and they and they are, which is really cool. You're on the road with all these awards, so I'm glad to hear that. Where was the movie filmed? Uh, in Ohio. Yeah. Yep, yep. I forgot the exact little area. It's like a tunnel that goes into the underground. They, it was all shot like literally in over over a weekend. Um, kind of around Akron, around that area right there. So yeah, the whole thing was. Uh, um, yeah, really. I mean, look, he shot my scene. Really, it was the last day of a solo tour I was on. He came to the hotel and shot that there. And then he went literally from there, as it's, as you see in the film, he's driving to go make the film. I mean, he literally kind of shot it in the order of, of how it plays out in the uh, in the film. Funny. <laughs> oh, let's go to movie conventions, because you, you took this movie to the, I saw you at Chiller. And yeah. uh, do you enjoy going to all the movie conventions? You know, I do. I mean, look, I've been going to these comic cons and horror conventions now for a dozen or so years anyway, just because the connection between heavy metal and, and the horror fans, is, especially the horror conventions, um, comic cons are fine too, but they tend to be a little, maybe a little more star Wars. Uh, whereas horror conventions, obviously is pretty much, you know, a lot of blood and slashing and, you know, scary movies. So that works well with metal. And so what I, what I like now with, with doing this with the film um, company and, and especially with dwellers here is, you know, I like going to the convention, bringing something to the party, you know, um, show up with something, some chips, dips, I don't know, flowers, drinks, bring something to the party, you know? So it's kind of the same with when you get invited to these things now, show up bringing a, a film. Um, we, uh, Drew and I have done a lot of the Q and a, we've done screenings and all these kind of things. And it, it is cool. It kind of ingratiates you into the, you know, into the whole world, uh, rather than just being others oh, like, you know, the rock and roll guy over in the corner, you know, signing autographs. And now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're kind of a bigger look in the room with that, which, which is cool. I feel like it's, you know, I'm bringing, again, just bringing something more to the table. Well, I love it because I met you at Chiller, as I mentioned, and you are very welcoming. You talk to everybody. You even have 
on YouTube, people interviewing you, which most of the stars there are like, all right, thank you for the picture. Have a great day. You took the time yeah. to talk to people, have people interview you. So I love the fact that you were over there letting people know about the movie, about yourself, and you, you got a chance to talk to everybody. So I'm glad you're having a good time at the conventions because I've been going to Fangoria, Chiller. They used to have Rock and Shock in Worcester. I love that one. That was always a great Yes, movie. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately... Some of them are starting to die out a little bit, but Chiller is still going strong. I'm happy to hear that. And I know I've seen you on Facebook at all the other ones, the monster conventions yeah. and things like that. So that's good yeah. to hear. And you mentioned too, that people come up to you and say, Oh, I'd love to get my film distributed. Are you talking to people or people saying, I have a film. Are you willing to look at their film and maybe distribute it? Yeah. I mean, the conversations have started, which is cool. Um, and, you know, Drew and I actually now have some other, you know, thoughts on expanding that, which we're looking at doing probably later this year. So, um, you know, it just, it's one of those things where it's, you know, when people find out at a record company, it's like, Hey, can you sign my band? Can you put my record out? And, um, so just to, you know, to have that, and that was the whole reason I even started that was mostly just to kind of put my records out, the things that I was producing or developing. Um, and so I've kind of reframed it a bit more around that uh, focus now. But um, also, you know, with the film uh, company, it's the same thing, you know, just to have the um, the ability to have the conversation. You know, it's like, hey, man, wh what do I do with my film? And I think, I don't know, go talk to them because I don't know, <laughs> you know. So now I do know. And now I, you know, I feel like as, as you sort of evolve in life, it's always about having ways to give back and you know contribute i mean look if all if all this experience i've had and the success i've had in my life if it's just if i just keep it in the closet at home well what good is it to anybody you know so to me it's sort of like success is a blessing that's meant to be shared with others yeah well i appreciate you sharing your time with me david love to have you on the show love to have appreciate you back it. when I maybe you come out with something new so yeah. really quick before you go a little promotion I know you talked about Lucid, you talked about Dwellers. What's next after this and where can people find you? Well, you know, so davidallison.com is, I guess, probably the ultimate place to go for everything. Um, uh, otherwise on Facebook slash David Ellison. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm also, you know, speaking of films, I'm also got involved with co-producing this uh, documentary. Uh, this was my life, the story of Nick Menza. Um, I wanted to talk about that. I wasn't sure if we had time, though. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's really cool. In fact, um, I'm getting hit up by a bunch of people right now on some stuff where, you know, we're working on putting a soundtrack together. Nick was very prolific um, after, both before and certainly after Megadeth, more so than I was aware of. And um, so he's got a bunch of drum tracks and stuff that he's written, things that he had in the vaults. So we're doing some composing over those over those tracks, getting some friends in the community to work with that, which is really fun. Um, and, you know, just uh, a lot of the interviews for the for the film are done. You know, a lot of there's going to be a lot of Nick's uh, camera. You know, he was the first guy to always have the camera out on the road. And, and we even hired his friend Juan to follow us around in 1990 and 91 uh the rust in peace tour and he went everywhere with us down the rock and rio and all kinds of stuff and it was you know it was really great to have him with us because you know that was right you know it's funny he started doing that he was really pushing for that and you know the way i remember going to Capitol records and they 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 didn't see the big picture of it and then metallica put out the you know year and a half in life of metallica and i was like oh oh i guess this is a thing you know and then so fortunately nick was way ahead of that he had a ton of footage that he had filmed so there's some great stuff in there. And, you know, it's surprising because 
I look back on this footage, you know, like going to Europe, you know, Europe now is great. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's very developed, of course, you know, after the Iron Curtain fell, the Eastern European stuff developed and, you know, same with South America, airports are new, you know, there's, there's just, you know, better infrastructure and stuff. So, but I look at the nicked videos and like in Finland and stuff, and I just remember how primitive the stuff was back then, you know, and it was, it was, it was a different day, you know, and it's funny, I, I, I would always read about you know, Kiss going to Europe when I was a kid, you know, they go, oh, their first European tour, you know, then they complain in their books about like, oh my God, it was terrible. And it was, you know, it was very, you know, it was very different than America. And I get it because I've, I've been part of watching, you know, the world develop as well, you know, during my career. So, you know, there's, there's times when we used to go places and it was like, you know, a dictator had just been taken out and, you know, it's funny how it's funny how they throw the dictator out on Wednesday and they call the heavy metal band to throw the party on you know Saturday, you know. So yeah. that's kind of how it works. So we got to be part of a lot of that stuff very early on as as uh you know you know, you know, cultures and nations were reinventing and developing and stuff. So it's fun to watch these videos with Nick uh as we're starting to integrate them into the film now you know above just that period early 90s mid 90s late 90s you know just how much things stuff has changed since then he had such an interesting life it's sad that he died at the extremely young age of 51 years old well you know it's funny of course it's sad when someone leaves the planet because we miss them you know and i and i you know i hear this footage with nick i see this footage i hear interviews with him and stuff and it's like it's like he was sitting right here you know so i i i feel that same thing um but you know how nick died is um if you knew nick and you lived on a tour bus with him like we did you know he would always say stuff like that it's like oh, i'm gonna blow up on stage i'm gonna blow <laughs> your minds you know he'd say crazy stuff like jesus was a hologram and you know he would just say shit to just get get a rise out of people and yeah. piss people off, just to see you know see how far he could just push it, you know. So but, when he when he died on stage, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like, man, he freaking got away with it. He did it, you know, like <laughs> he really did it, you know. And uh, you know, and it's interesting because when he passed, he passed right away. They tried to revive him, and he was gone. I mean, he was probably gone before he hit the floor, you know. And and God bless him, you know that that he just. It was, he just was, that was it. It was one Chris Poland told me about, and I don't want to tell too much because a lot of stuff's in the movie, but you know, he told me the story, you know, about how they were kicking ass and having a great night, and, you know, ready to start the next song. And then Nick was not there, you know? And so it was just this, you know, it's just this. So it's, it's a great story. And I don't want to say really any more than that because the story is great. The, the movie's going to be really, really, really cool. And uh, I'm really, I'm really honored to be a part of it and, and to help tell, tell, tell the story of Nick's life and, um, you know, help, help out the, the family with, um, you know, just kind of, you know, grieving and, you know, they're, you know, kind of going through that whole process and get to the other side of it. Without giving anything away, there's only one thing I want to say about this was I was really impressed with when I found out is that his dad was a jazz musician who played with Buddy Rich for a little while. And that's where he got a lot of his discipline from. So, I mean, he came from a musical family, which is, I, yeah, I found still that is. Impressive. I mean, when I was at the house back in January, yeah, I remember, and it all came back to me because I remember sitting out at the pool. Um, you know, we'd have barbecues. Nick would invite everybody over. Nick was very inclusive. It reminded me of how I grew up in Minnesota. Like everybody just came over. People just dropped in. You didn't have to call. 
And they yeah. just drop in, people coming over, hanging out. And that's how I grew up, you know. So I think that's what I really liked about about Nick's family is they're, uh, you know, very much that that nature. And Italians, there's always food cooking and stuff. And, um, you know, Don, his dad, Don Menza, you know, he would go upstairs and he'd practice and listen to music. And he still does. But in January, he's like, hey, where'd Don go? Oh, he's upstairs. He's listening to music or, or yeah. practicing. And, and I mean, still, he's like, you know, 87 years old, still practicing. I mean, what an inspiration. He's still practicing, still listening to music. He's passionate. I see these posters in their house of, you know, Birdland and Charlie Parker and all these just, I mean, the greats, you know, um, the greats that he grew up under, you know, um, you know, Charlie Parker to, uh, you know, to him as a sax player was like, you know, you know, you know, Jimmy Page or something to me and you, you know, yeah. I mean, there's like he was the icon before him. But I mean, Doug, Don played, you know, the Pink Panther, you know, I mean, you know, you know, Nick, we, we'd get together to go on tour and, you know, Nick would be like, yeah, Pavarotti was over at the house last night. So, oh, my God. You know, you know, and, uh, and he'd say, yeah, you know, uh, Henry Mancini came over for dinner and, you know, da, 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 you know, so like, I mean, heavyweight guys, like they were just buddies. Wow. I remember one, you know, you know, Don, I think played on a Madonna record, you know, and, and uh, you know, he'd get the call, you know, the Toto guys, they were like, he brought up Don Menza. They're like, whoa, 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 Don Menza, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it, and a lot of the stuff's in the, in the movie. There's good I stuff. So it's, you know, good stuff. When's that going to be released? Um, look, we're, we're you know, timelining later in the year um, is, is the plan. So, um, and again, you know, depending on how it all lines up for, um a proper release, but you know, we're planning, we're planning on working on it through the summer into the fall. Let's put it that way. I think it'll take that long to get it all kind of lined up and together. Forward to everything that you do, Dave, David, I mean, between the lucid dwellers, this was my life. Thank you very much. Once again, for being on the show, look You're forward to seeing you soon. Yeah. That, see you soon. Thank you. That wraps up the latest episode of the clause corner. A huge thank you goes out to the Grammy and award-winning basis president of EMP author founder of Elson Films and Elson and Coffee Company, David Elson. I would also like to thank John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for doing a superb job editing the show and making it available each and every week. And last, but definitely not least, I would like to thank you, the viewer, for tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. Say so. I've always wanted to be in a movie. Waiting around for autumn. Waiting around for autumn. I was watching the TV. I was watching the TV.